0: Welcome to Dollars and Cents, Creating Your Fulfilled Life with Nicole Romito from Private Vista. In this podcast, we draw from years of experience as well as guest specialists to help you create the life you imagine. Join us in this journey as we enlighten and empower you to align your lifestyle to help you achieve your goals with a clear picture of your future. Now, let's get to the show.
1: Hello and welcome to Dollars and Cents with your host, Nicole Romado. Nicole, what's going on?
2: Hey, good good morning, Eric. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic.
1: I'm, I'm trying to quiet the little voices in my head we were talking about earlier because oh. there's one that just keeps saying,
2: eat the cheeseburger, just eat the cheeseburger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I,
2: I must have its twin in my head. Yeah. <laughs> although mine's always a double cheeseburger so you're oh. one step ahead of me as usual
1: <laughs> yeah but then the other voice kick in and tell me to get bacon so whatever anyway
2: oh yeah but then yeah. you get a side salad to balance it all out oh is that how that works That's it's it how my plan years. works <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right well as much as we like to talk about lunch uh you have a guest on the show today i'm very excited about this who'd you bring on and what are you guys talking about
2: Yeah, I'm super excited. Um, My guest today in studio is Sarah Newcomb, and I'm really excited for our conversation uh, because I believe she's going to add an outsider's perspective to what we mean by living your private vista. Mm. Um, We're going to discuss how to find meaning in your means, or in other words, how do you find your purpose once you have achieved financial independence?
1: Okay, fantastic. I'll be there one day.
2: Yes, you will. Just <laughs> keep keep listening to our podcast. We'll I, get I you will. there.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Nicole.
2: All right. So with that, I want to say welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Nicole. It's great to be here. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Um so before we start talking about, you know, how to find purpose and meaning, I just want to give our listeners a brief bo- background on you. So, as I said, my guest today is Sarah Newcomb. She is a PhD, um, is a behavioral economist, and founder of the Thrive Financial Empowerment Center, which I'm looking forward to also getting involved and being able to help out in that. Um, but, Sarah, through writing, speaking, and coaching, she teaches people of all stripes on how to build lives they love with the resources they have. And I think that's so important today with just all the messaging and everything we get, whether it's through social media or the media. So I'm really interested to have you share that with our listeners. Uh, Sarah is a subject matter expert, and she has worked with corporate behavioral science teams at Hello Wallet, Morningstar, and most recently, Edward Jones, where she helps their financial advisors understand, understand and respond to the aspects of psychology, psychology, that impact how people make their financial decisions. Uh, In all her roles, she aims to adapt the findings of academic research to practical use in the financial lives of ordinary people and to ground innovative approaches for financial advice in well-established psychological theory. Uh, She has been quoted or referenced in a whole host of um, great, Financial journals such as Reuters, the Wall Street Journal, Forbes, Her Money, many, many other places. She's also the author of Loaded, which talks about how to get ahead without leaving your values behind. And I'd like to add on to that, that in connection with the launch or the release of her book Loaded, she was also the featured speaker at Private Vista's inaugural International Women's Day Breakfast. So I know at Private Vista, we're excited to uh, have you back for additional conversations. Yeah, I remember that breakfast. Uh, The thing I
3: remember from it the most is there was a question I remember saying, there is no spanks for savings. Yeah.
2: You know, and so many of our guests still mention that this day. So I think that's one that stuck with many of us there. And we were hoping that maybe, you know, a few years later, perhaps have you found the Spanx for financial (laughs) solutions? I'm hoping at least. No. (laughs) So in addition to all the wonderful things you've done professionally, um, I know our listeners always enjoy learning about what our guests do outside of work. So maybe do you want to share some of the things you enjoy doing on your personal time before we get started?
3: Sure. I am a nature lover. Uh, I live in New England and I spend a lot of time outside. I, I just enjoy finding little worlds, watching nature do its thing. I'm also a dog lover. Um, so I spend a lot of time outside with my dogs, Aww. and uh, and a, a gardener. I really enjoy growing my own food, and I want to do that more and more because it is such a deeply rewarding activity to go out to your garden with a bowl and some scissors and come back with
2: food. I agree. I agree. I only. I. I have a rooftop. Uh, deck. I live in the city, but I at least um, grow herbs, and I know it just makes such a difference knowing you grew it. You can just go out and cut it, you know, run your hands through it, and have that delicious garden smell. So that's amazing. What um what has been your most rewarding um crop that you've grown?
3: So last year, I mean, I always grow tomatoes, sugar snap peas, nice. green beans. I love those because they just give and give and give and they're, I mean, just eating those fresh off the vine are fantastic. Last year, I grew potatoes for the first time.
2: Oh, interesting. And that was so fun, growing potatoes. because Was, that, they... was it challenging? For some no, reason, I feel no, like that
3: no, would be a hard No, no, it was so time. easy. Okay. You just bury chunks of potato, and they, they, it was, it was so easy. But what's so great about them is when they're ready, and the leaves turn a certain color, and then, you know, they're ready, and you pull up the plant and the root system then has all these little potatoes hanging off of it. Some big, some little, some of the little tiny little fingerling kind of things. And so you get your little baby potatoes and you get your big potatoes and you never know what you're going to pull up. You never know how many. So it's like a little treasure hunt. And then this year, my garden has many volunteer potato plants already that I didn't even (laughs) sow.
2: I like that. They're very collaborative. (laughs) So. Well that's amazing. So thanks thanks for sharing that. Um I again I feel like for our listeners all we do is talk about food, but we all got to eat, right? it's a big part of life. It is. Yes. So so with that, why don't we 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 pivot from how do you find meaning uh, in growing uh you know, growing your multitude of collaborative potatoes to you know, as people are working either, you know, with their advisor or if they're working on their own, how, what are some of the things that you would like to share for our listeners to think about on how do you find purpose and meaning? Um, I know your tagline, which I love is finding meaning in the means. And I know what private Vista we're trying to say, like, how do you find, um, we call it finding your private vista because we know it's so much more than just the dollars and cents. So mm-hmm. do, why don't we start off with a little bit of background on that and how you approach it? Yeah, well, so,
3: uh, so many ideas just flood immediately. But I think the first thing is that we have to talk about really is the trap that so many of us fall into when we try to establish what our life goals are, and that is the trap of social comparison. Oh, um yes. So- they- Don't they say
2: comparison is the thief of joy?
3: Yes, and it absolutely is. And yet it is an innate and um, evolutionary trait that we all have. We can't avoid comparison. And so uh, this is an aspect of psychology that I think is really pertinent to financial management that we don't talk about openly uh, because people don't like to admit that they're keeping up with some Joneses somewhere. But most of us are. Um, I've done research on this and asked people anonymously, you know, when they compare themselves to others financially, who do they tend to compare themselves to, whether they, you know, are looking up the socioeconomic ladder or down. And not surprisingly, in every single income group, people tend to look up the ladder to compare themselves. Right, But then I also asked the same people, you know, the emotional experiences they were having with respect to their own financial situation and, you know, how often were they feeling things like pride and contentment and joy and satisfaction, or how often were they feeling things like helplessness and anger and sadness and Mm. uh, anxiety, you know, shame. So in looking at those two things together, being able to see that in every single income group- the people who were looking up the socioeconomic ladder, surprise, surprise, felt pretty bad about their own financial situation. Makes sense. The people who looked down the socioeconomic ladder felt pretty good. So you'd think the takeaway from this is be grateful for what you have. Always think about the people who are less fortunate than you. And, and yes, I think that there's something to that. But... If that advice was going to work, it would have worked by now for all of us. That's one of those age old things. Yes, of course, we need to be grateful for what we have. I think the problem is the fact that is it goes deeper than that. It's not just about being grateful. What it really is about is what psychologists talk about. We call it uh, self-comparison theory, pretty self-explanatory, but what it basically what researchers have found over decades of work in this area is that uh, we have to, When we always want to know sort of how we're doing at this life thing, right? We, we want to get a sense of, are we doing okay? And if we don't have an objective measure for that, then we will find someone that we consider a similar other and compare ourselves to them. And so that's where this social comparison of our financial situation comes in. However, if the person that, if the people that you're choosing to compare yourself to have, you think that they have a better situation than you do, then you're actually setting yourself up to feel bad because mm. I think in researching this, cause I got really curious about this a couple of years ago in researching it. I found that there are two really distinct kinds of comparison that we can make. One is evaluative. And that asks the question, how am I doing now? Okay. And
2: so if you think about it, it's and, like, pretty... and like, how am I doing now compared to whoever you're choosing to compare yourself to or exactly. how you were like five years ago? No. Or... Well, so, so, so I asked people like, when people. they compare
3: themselves, are you comparing yourself to your neighbors, your friends, your, um, you know, and most people it's like friends and neighbors and colleagues. Sure, uh, It's not the, themselves at a, at a past time of life. I did offer that as an option. Okay. Interesting. Um, yeah. So for some people they did, but, but the point was that this evaluative comparison is, it asks the question, how am I doing right now? So if you have chosen someone to compare yourself to someone that you think is doing better than you, and then you ask the question, how am I doing compared to them right now, you have set yourself up to feel bad. Yeah, not good. Right? Simple equation. However... There's a different kind of comparison, which is a, um, it's not an evaluative comparison, it's, it's an aspirational comparison. And that asks the question, can I be like them in the future? Can I get to where they are from where I'm at now? That's a different question. That and is. that was really interesting because in this research study that I did, one group of people really stood out and really bucked the trend. And they were the small group of people who compared themselves to a financial mentor or role model.
2: And Go on. Really, I'm interested yes, So in what's this. <laughs> really
3: interesting about that, most people, I did some follow-up work, most people don't have a financial mentor or role model, first of all. Yep or because well, it's still like,
2: such a taboo subject right you don't well and we don't
3: share our finances with each other so it's really hard to actually have you know a role model to follow in their footsteps but but you don't even just to look up to someone financially you don't actually have to know their situation you just kind of look up to what, what it seems what are the
2: things about their situation. Like that maybe you that you admire. think they have good habits, right? Exactly. They talk about, oh, I use credit cards, but it's just to get the points. And of course we pay it off in full every month. And they might say like, I jumpstart my savings for whatever goal it is. I always, you know, we always save half of our net bonus or right. It could be things like that. They're not talking numbers, but it might be habits they're sharing.
3: Exactly. And that's the thing to focus on. So when it comes to role models and mentors, I did a little follow-up work and asked people about like, you know, who they admire, what do they admire about them? And generally people were not Admiring of other people's
2: like their things, you know, it wasn't yeah, the car. It wasn't that. Dope. It
3: wasn't that. Oh, this person lives a lavish lifestyle. It was generally they were they were admiring of the person's contentment, mm-hmm. because that's what we really want, right? We want contentment, and so the people that we a good financial role model is someone who has managed to feel the way you would like to feel in your relationship with money. And so someone who never seems stressed about
2: money. Right. um, Who Secure, confident.
3: Secure, confident, has good self-control, whatever it is. So that kind of comparison is extremely different from evaluative comparison, because when you choose someone to be a role model or mentor, you're not, and you don't ask yourself, am I like them today? How, how do I measure up to them today? You're, you're asking, can I follow in their footsteps? What are they doing? What did they do to get to where they are that I could do that I could learn how to do. And so it's, it's a kind of comparison that I think we need to cultivate when it comes to money to find a financial role model. And you don't even need to, like I said, you don't need to look at their books. You look at their habits You look at their behavior, you look at their, their peace of mind and you can choose really simple, small things that you could do to be just a little bit more like that over time. And that helps, I think more than the, just be grateful for what you have advice, because the reality is that we, we sort of psychologically need to compare ourselves because we have this need to know how we're doing. Right, And so we have to compare ourselves to someone. So if we're going to compare ourselves to someone financially, it's healthier to choose a financial role model and compare yourself to them.
2: I I agree. And one thing I would love to get your thoughts on is I feel like a big part of um, the programming for our society, at least in the U.S., is you all it's, it's, it's almost like it's not okay to be content. Like you always need to be striving or moving towards what's next. Great. I'm financially independent. Now I need to, what's next. I need to start a charity to give back, or I need to mentor young children, or I'm going to consult for free at this school. So it's interesting. Like, how do you pair that with being aspirational? Mm -hmm. And I know I'm I don't want to say guilty of this, but even with clients, I'll be like, there is no there. Cause even for me personally, I'll be like, oh, I'm, uh, you know, I'm partner at my firm now. I'm like, okay, great. What can I do next? Right. So I feel like even myself, I'm, I'm into that programming. Like I should be doing more. I, I, you can't, I don't want to say tread water, but it's like, oh, I got to where I wanted to be. And now that's good. And I'm, cool to be content. So how do you kind right. of marry those two?
3: Right. Yeah. So this is, yeah, it's a, it's a great, it's a great, uh, one of the eternal questions. Right. But I do think <laughs> we have some, some clues. Um, and some of it really is our culture, our culture right. to strive, our culture hustle. is to, be, to hustle and, and it is innately against human well-being to hustle. I know, you know, um, we, yeah, I mean, I could say so many things on that, but, but I think what really, really helps is to get, a to get a very clear picture of what the good life looks like to you, right? What, what does it look and feel like to you? Um, and this, I think is something that is really, really challenging for young people, not just because it's hard for them to look into the future, but I think this is an easier question for people to answer who've been through an existential
2: crisis or two or four. Which we haven't had any of those lately. (laughs)
3: Right. But, but, you know, being on the other side of midlife crisis age, Mm -hmm. I think there is a the way that I think about midlife crises or midlife transformations, as I like to call them, is it's it's this general time of life. And it can happen at any time of life. And many times it happens for us many several times. But it's sort of this this awakening to the idea that doing things by other people's rules does not lead us to the satisfaction and joy that we were told it would and so we have to shed the rules of others and just, it, there comes a point where you say the only rules that matter for my life are the rules that I make for my life and i it, it's when you get to that point where you start to feel your more your mortality that you start to say i only have this one life and i i need to live it according to my ideals and that is a beautiful thing that happens because then you can start to say, well, what is the good life for For me? me.
2: I'm going to add on there because I know you're talking on kind of the emotional or, you know, mental health side of things, but I do find that too, what, with our planning process, oftentimes clients will come, new clients will come in and say, well, how are we doing compared to your other clients? You know, who are in similar, similar part of the life cycle, similar kind of means. And, you know, we're always like, it doesn't really matter because that's why we do your individual plan that based on what you're trying to do, you know, the other people who are at your life cycle, their number one goal might be like, I want to work five more years and then I'm done. Right. So that's going to be a whole different set of goals versus if you're like, I could do my job as long as they'll have me or right. Or for at least another 20 years. So I think it's, we too get that comparative or evaluative comparison as well. And again, I think it's, we're always trying to compare, but that's what we'll too. And I'd love to see as you're talking about these midlife transitions or um, catalysts is a lot of times we'll see clients who financially they're secure. So they've done it, but because they don't know what they're moving to, it's, and I get it, it's really hard to pull the plug and say, well, how am I going to fill all this time if I'm not running my company or running my division or my kids are launched, right? How am I going to fill all that time? And that's what we have found. It's very hard for people to to stop working because they don't know what they're moving towards. So what's their purpose? And I think it'd be interesting to get your take on that, right? So yeah. how are you finding your, your, either your new community or plugging into your existing community in a different way? How are you filling yourself up?
3: Yeah. And I have a very practical exercise that people can do to try Ooh. to take sort of a, a psychological I like that. inventory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So this this is rooted in how I help people create budgets that um, they can stick to because okay. because I think budgeting in general is is flawed with well, that whole. Wants I always needs.
2: call that the B word.
3: <laughs> yeah, people right?
2: just shut down as soon as you say that word. <laughs>
3: well, and there's uh, you know there's there's reasons for that, um, of course. <laughs> but a lot of it is that we we the way that most of us budget runs directly counter to the way that human motivation works.
2: Oh, interesting. Share more on that, please.
3: Yeah. So budgeting becomes an exercise in how you're going to, how you have planned to feel deprived.
2: Mm. And,
3: and the reason for that is that if you know any, if you've ever taken psychology, you would have heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Right. Yes, this that's very the the
2: one thing deep. I remember from my psychology 101. That in uh, Pavlov's dogs. <laughs> so, yes. But go yes. on.
3: <laughs> so Maslow's hierarchy is a very very esta- very well established, very very useful framework about human motivation. It's also very misunderstood and misused. Mm, so interesting. I went back and read Maslow's original work to get at what he was really trying to say. And the thing is that a lot of people think of the hierarchy as the things at the bottom um, being your survival needs. And it the, you know, the big idea for anybody who hasn't taken psychology is that you can group human needs into five basic categories. So you've got sort of at the bottom of this hierarchy, uh survival needs like food, shelter, clothing, right? Actually, even shelter isn't really necessarily a survival need, food, clothing, air, whatever. And then you've got your your safety needs. So that mm. would be your need to know that, you know, shelter, your need to know that there's some level of stability that you'll have food tomorrow as well as today. Okay. You know, that your, your needs will be met or that you are safe. Then you've got your uh, connection needs, mm. your social uh, connections for love and belonging. Then your esteem needs for both self respect and esteem, and esteem and respect from others. And then at the top of the hierarchy is self-actualization, which is our need to um, seek out and master challenge, our, our need for spirituality and meaning and for purpose, right? And so the way that people think about this is because it's in a hierarchy where you've got these survival things at the bottom and purpose and meaning on top, people think that hierarchy means importance but it doesn't it's a hierarchy of what maslow called prepotency which just means that if you had none of your needs met at all the most potent immediate needs would be the ones at the bottom okay that, uh, survival needs you would think about air before you right. thought about meaning yep if you that had makes no sense. none of your needs met at all
2: sure but, kind of focus at the the matter at hand, right? Right I That need they're supreme the,
3: potent. They're the most immediate needs, right. Okay. But once those are met to some degree, they don't have to be completely fulfilled. Once they're met to some degree, then your other needs become more salient. So your need for safety. Um, and so Maslow himself said, "Who am I to say that love is less important than vitamins?" You know, that any anything, it's not Maslow's hierarchy of wants. It's Maslow's <laughs> hierarchy of needs. And the big idea is that these are things that we need in order to feel like we are truly thriving. So yes, I- we can live without love and belonging and meaning and purpose. But most of us have, that have lived without love and belonging and meaning and purpose don't enjoy that.
2: Right. You don't feel like you're living your best life or, right. You know, what
3: is, what is life if it lacks those things? True. And so, so when we budget, we often budget through this lens of wants and needs, where we are essentially saying, if it's not a survival need, it's just a want, it's not actually something you need. And so then people will cut out things that are quote unquote wants, but those were, the those expenses were strategies for meeting deep, fundamental human needs. And so when they cut the expense, they cut out their strategy for meeting their need, and they feel deprived. And so the idea here is that what you want to do is you want to take Maslow's hierarchy. And this is when you're creating a budget, but let's go back to your idea of someone who has Plenty of means you've established, you know, your financial well-being is set for the rest of your life. There's pretty much nothing you can do to mess that up. You are fine. Yep. Now what you're looking for is what do I do now?
2: Mm-hmm. How
3: do I how do I use these assets to support my well-being? So you have to define what does my well-being look like? And I think Maslow is a really great way to start. So you go and you you say, "Okay, let me start with my with my survival needs. And let me just write down all the ways that I currently meet my needs for survival. Some of those things have a price tag, some of them don't. Right. But, right. you know, you're, you're, you, then you do the same thing for safety. How are you currently meeting your needs for safety? So it might be by living in a gated community. It might be by, you know, with your, with insurance policies, it might be through, um, through savings and investing. But once you've got that financial safety established, what we're, what we're really looking at now are your higher order needs. How are you, how do you meet your needs for connection, social connection, intimacy, belonging, all, you know, those, how, and, and when have you felt that way the most? When did your needs for belonging and connection feel the most satisfied? What was going on? Hmm. What was what's the community situation that you've most thrived in?
2: Right. And so for some people, that. it could be like, well, I'm I feel physically secure because I'm in my gated community, or it could be I feel physically secure because I have my immediate family around me my grandparents my parents my adult children or whoever kind of your social support system is right so that could be something that's not financial
3: well yeah so so generally if you've already established financial freedom then your your bottom your security and your safety and your survival needs they're they're met but if you're feeling like you don't have direction and purpose and meaning and you're and you want to start a new chapter then looking at those three top tiers mm-hmm. saying well what about what about belonging what about right. community what about my my sense of connection do i have the intimacy that i want in my life do i have the amount of solitude intimacy with myself that i want in my life and you just take stock of like i think one of the best ways to do it is to look backward and to say with the life experience you have, when were the times that those needs really did get met and what was going on? Because then you've you've got clues as to how to create and pursue the kind of community that really helps you thrive. How do you get your needs for belonging met? And that's going to look different for you than it will for your neighbor.
2: I, I agree. And I think that's a great question. And I'll kind of, I'm going to take it a little more of a narrow scope and kind of circling back where a lot of our clients have found their sense of belonging and validation and identity from what they've done for the last 30, 40 years, right? Yes. And and those relationships they had at work. Because you spend most of your time at work, right? Yes. if you're no longer in that work environment, I know I have found too, even I worked at a bank for the first 10 years of my life. And even once I left the bank, the people who were my close friends or circle there, when we kind, we weren't no longer in the day to day, you know, kibitzing or, you know, like, Oh, this project or that person, or even just be like, how was your kid's play last night? The relationships really lost, there, it was hard to sustain the intimacy of those relationships. So how could you, I love that you're saying like, look back to say, when did you feel those needs were being met? But then how do you pivot to, well, gosh, 80% of it was at work and that's no longer in my life. So how do you counsel right. people? Well, like so, what's the next step of that yeah. exercise? So, so
3: you might be able to say, okay, so um it was at work you were around people who had a shared um, vision or shared skills or what was it about those particular people that team that you liked it was it was a group what was it the teamwork was it the chatting uh, was it going to lunch what what was it and there are ways I know for some people, There's a sense of it's it's not even the belonging connectedness. It's another level up because you want to do this for all the levels, right? You say how how do where when did I feel my belonging needs were met, and then when have I felt that my esteem and respect needs were met? Mm. Another one that work provides for a lot of people, absolutely. You you know, and if you're a wealth creator, then a lot of the respect and esteem that you have had in your life may have come from having that role of being the, the business, you know, the head of industry or the business creator, right? And then when you leave that role, that whole part of your identity may feel very isolated and very unacknowledged. And so in that sense, I think there's a lot to be said for things like volunteering with small business association groups to mentor other entrepreneurs, because then you're able to take your expertise, go into a community where you're giving back that, giving back to the community in a way where you're able to take the things that, you know, your rock star self. Yep. Yep and continue past that on. And now you've got a community of people who are looking to you directly for your expertise, and you're giving back and you're, you around young, uh, hungry people. And so a lot of, you know, finding ways volunteering doesn't always have to be what you, you traditionally think of as volunteering. It could be taking your particular business skills and going out there into the business community and helping offer that through mentorship or whatever else. Um, it could be, you know, people, hobbies, hobbies, keep people alive. Um, (laughs)
2: Well, I mean, I've, I've had people more than one person say like, I love to golf and I love my grandkids, but you know, that's not going to fill up all my free time. So so it could be Um, also maybe new hobbies that you didn't have the time or maybe even the resources at that point in life. And now you do. So maybe you're like, I've always wanted to get my pilot's license or exactly. And so. so again, like
3: going through Maslow's hierarchy and saying, what are some, you know, when you think about um, so we talked about belonging and esteem, which many of us get those needs met largely through our careers. Right. And Absolutely. So you do need to come up with a plan for how are you going to continue to get those needs met. You may need to create a whole create or join a whole new community. I personally have found, for example, that the times that I have felt the most connected and the most tied into community that I love was in graduate school in this mm. little college town. But academics, like graduate school, the energy of a, of a university and yoga, those oh, are the, and the intersection that. of that, like the yoga people and um at, through graduate school, like that was, and people who love to have house parties and dance. So, <laughs> right? No, seriously. <laughs> I would like to be part of that community. That are <laughs> always down to dance and that adds a huge quality of life. Oh my God. I I just have to
2: interject. I have a good friend who we do dance parties in her kitchen. So it's like so freeing and liberating. It (laughs) It is. And so that's the thing is like when you have
3: that level of joy and happiness and belonging with your friends you don't, you're not
2: looking around saying, Ooh, no. what am I missing in my life? Right. You know? And you're also not comparing yourself to their dance moves because you're no. just all <laughs> out of your head and having fun and being silly. It's so yes. liberating. So, but yeah. so
3: I've learned for myself, what I need is a small community of sort of magical weirdos who love yoga and ideas And the outdoors. And so I've, I've realized no matter where, you know, I'm, my fiance and I are looking for our dream property. And what I've been able to, through these exercises of saying, what is my dream? I know that what I want is a little house with a big plot of land. I want fruit trees. I want to keep bees. I want a garden and I need it to be close to a college town. Because that's where I will be able to find the community where I will thrive.
2: That and sounds so, amazing. Are you guys so, going to stay in uh, Maine? Do you think? Or we're
3: looking at uh, like Western Mass, like the Berkshires or the Amherst oh, area. He's in oh. he's in Western Vermont. Um, okay. So there are some some little college towns around there, but um, right, but that area of the country where there's sounds lots lovely. of universities and mountains, and lots of
2: nature, yeah, lots of nature. Oh, that sounds amazing. Well, I, Sarah, I could talk to you all week. Um, I definitely will, would love to have you back on the podcast for another episode. Is there anything else um, you want to make sure to share with our listeners either expanding on something we talked about before or just one other thought or yeah thought or idea you want to share?
3: Yeah, let me just say that if when you know if you want to work with this idea of going through Maslow's hierarchy and saying what would a life look like where I would be thriving on all five in all five areas. You know you've hit on it when you feel a release from the pressure to live like anyone else. Where you see their belongings, you see their lifestyle and you say that's nice for you. I've got my dream and I love it.
2: That sounds amazing. Uh, You mentioned earlier that there's a, um, uh, uh, I don't know if quiz is the right word, but maybe like a survey or evaluation to see kind of where are you today and like to help you figure out where, what parts you need to work on. Is there, is that something that people get by working with you or... Yeah, we had developed something
3: at Morningstar when I was there for, okay. for a limited time. It's no longer available.
2: Ah, um, okay,
3: but um, as I as I build, you know, I've got a lot going on with consulting and speaking. But as I slowly start building. Um, more interactive content for my website. I've, I'll be putting things like that, um, self-assessments that help you understand, you know, from, from a number of different angles, which psychological pre- uh, uh, you know, concepts may be the most useful for you to explore in your own financial life. Uh, but that's fall. still TBD. I would say maybe, um, end of summer there'll be something. Okay. For
2: to play and with. if um where can our listeners if if anyone of them either want to reach out to you or at least find your website so they can check back periodically to see what wonderful tools have become available? Um how can our listeners go about getting in touch with you?
3: So my website is thrive-financial.net and my email um you can reach me at sarah at, that's sarah with an h@ at thrive-financial.net. Um, or you can find me on LinkedIn, Sarah Newcomb. And uh, those or, or Twitter. Uh, I'm finance ther- therapy. I'm more of a Twitter lurker though. I don't really tweet very often.
2: Okay. And we'll listeners, we'll have all of um, her contact info in the uh, show notes as well. Um, so with that, I do want to thank you again so much for sharing your time and your experience and your wisdom um, with me and our listeners. Uh, one question that I do ask all my guests, which I think you may have already hit upon. So I'm going to let you say, you know, with your vision, with your fiance, but I always ask my guests, where would you most like to live and why?
3: Yeah. So I want to live. Um, yeah, I have a picture of, of this property, you know, Mm -hmm. I want to live, um, in, on a, a piece with several acres, you know, a mixture of, um, mature fruit trees and meadow, forest, uh, pond in, uh, somewhere in rural New England, um, near a college
2: town. I love it. Hopefully I, w- I hope I'll be able to come and visit someday because yes. it sounds fantastic and I'll, I'll work for my keep. I'll help harvest. So, okay, great, <laughs> but not the bees. I don't want to go by them. <laughs> so, All right. Great. Well, thanks again. I so appreciate you being here and I'll look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. I hope someone finds it useful.
1: This has been fantastic. I found it useful. I was was just absolutely, it was a true epiphany when you were talking about how people look at other folks and they, they kind of desire what they have, but it's, it's not the desire of the things or the stuff. It's the desire of how they feel how they're secure and I, mm-hmm. I i've just never thought of it from that perspective so thank you so much you, you've given to me so now i'm going to give to you oh fruit trees if you have yes. not so we, we do talk about food a lot about on this podcast because here's why nicole I'm, I'm going back to the food because food breaking bread with somebody is one of the most relational things you can do mm-hmm. and that i think is where people yeah. feel most at peace whether it's breaking mm-hmm. bread with their family their friends new acquaintances whatever it is so i think f- food is a universal need in any vista any private mm-hmm. vista that you're in mm-hmm. that you create it's a, it's got to have food with other people so so mm-hmm. that's just my little tirade on that but i love it the fruit trees here we go sarah okay. if you have not looked up and seen multiple fruit trees They are mind blowing. So, in other words, oh, are
3: these like grafted?
1: They're um, grafted. They're grafted. So, yes. So, a stone fruit tree, for instance, will grow peaches, plums, uh, apricots, all on the same tree. And they, they, and you can have apple trees that have. Oh, that's so great!
3: Yes, I have a Franken tree that's an apple with like four different types of apples. But I didn't know you could do the different stone fruits. I love that.
1: Yeah, and I know that you're you're talking up north, so you probably can't do the citrus. But there's multiple citrus trees, so you're growing lemons and oranges and and grapefruit on the same tree. That's amazing. Like, yeah, like the apples, the the apple ones you can get the the breeds of apples that will actually bloom at different parts of the year or different oh. times of the year. So it's, it's like your tree is blooming in different sections with different apples all the time.
3: <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Well, yeah, and then you get the different colored flowers on yeah. the same tree yeah. and all that. Yeah, oh my goodness. Yeah. So, yes, thank again. you. I didn't, that that's, That is a gift. I appreciate that.
1: There we go. And I want to thank you both again for such a great podcast. But of course, our last thank you always goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the Dollars and Cents podcast with Nicole Romino. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way when Nicole comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Private Vista, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Dollars and Cents Creating Your Fulfilled Life with Nicole Romito, sponsored by Private Vista. Visit our website at www.myprivatevista.com or give us a call at 312 831 4370. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Private Vista is a group comprised of investment professionals registered with Hightower Advisors LLC an SEC-registered investment advisor. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is neither indicative nor a guarantee of future results. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data or other information referenced herein is from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other data or information contained in this presentation is provided as general market commentary and does not constitute investment advice. Private Vista and Hightower Advisors, LLC. Or any of its affiliates make no representations or warranties expressed or implied as to the accuracy or completeness of the information or for statements or errors or omissions, or results obtained from the use of this information. Private Vista and High Tower Advisors LLC assume no liability for action made or taken in reliance on or relating in any way to this information. The information is provided as of the date referenced. Such data and other information are subject to changes without notice. This was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed herein are solely those of the authors and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors LLC or any of its affiliates.